Welcome to Measures of Truth, a His Dark Materials podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. I'm Francis. And I'm Anya, and today we're discussing the 7th and 8th episodes of the third season of His Dark Materials, The Clouded Mountain and the Botanic Garden. Episodes 7 and 8 were both written by Francesca Gardner and directed by Amit Gupta, who we've talked about, you know, previously on the show. Again, Russell Dodgson directed the action sequences, or he's credited as that, and um, he's the one who did all the special effects work, and so I'm sure he was, like, closely involved in, like, Azrael fighting angels and stuff. In episode 7, Will and Lyra arrive at the Fortress world, and the battle versus Metatron begins. They are briefly reunited with their demons before Will cuts a window into a completely random world, and the demons jump to safety, while Will and Lyra stay behind to do battle stuff. Mrs. Coulter summons Metatron and enters the Clouded Mountain without the Golden Monkey. Azriel doesn't want to feel left out, so he literally crashes their party. Mrs. Coulter tricks Metatron into thinking she switched sides while Azrael gets his ass kicked. Back at HQ, the Golden Monkey turns on Azrael's abyss-harnessing god-killing machine, and Coulter and Azrael wrestle Metatron into the abyss and eternal oblivion. After the battle, Will and Lyra find the Authority trapped in his god cube and release him into death. Then they go and find their demons. In episode 8, Will and Lyra are reunited with Mary and get some bad news. Dust is disappearing from the world. That night, Mary tells them the story of how she fell in love. Tempted by Mary's story, Will and Lyra recognize that they are also in love and kiss. Stopping the flow of dust and healing the world. The way that you wrote that makes the story sound so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted it to be short, okay? Yeah. Zephania arrives with even worse news. All the windows between worlds must be closed, except the one from the world of the dead. Will and Lyra pledge to always love each other, even though they can't be together, and go their separate ways. General feelings. Yeah, it was alright. It was amazing. I think it was the best. I mean, what a high note to end the series on. Um, I was honestly pretty relieved at how well the cgi and the big battle scene worked especially with angels i wasn't really sure what to expect or how they would do it but i feel like they nailed it um they also nailed all of the really important emotional moments including a couple of new ones uh that weren't in the book and the demon work was fantastic you know since this is the last episode i was kind of thinking back on 
how much time we spent in season one kind of complaining about how the demons weren't prominent enough. They didn't really feel like characters and, and just like how far the show has come in that regard. I have like a bunch of nitpicks, but overall I really loved it. I'm glad we got a good adaptation of one of my favorite stories. Yeah. This is what I was hoping for, right? Yeah. That's how I felt. It's like the adaptation is like incredible just as a, and that's kind of what I cared about this. Like I remember, you know, like going to the Lord of the Rings movie in the theater and like just having scenes of the, all the characters walking in a big open field was like very emotional because mm-hmm. like, yeah, that is the feeling of the book. And that in this, these two episodes like really nailed the feeling of this series to me. And, and that meant a lot. And for whatever reason, these two episodes hurt me way more than the end of this series did. So, like, I guess good job for, like, you, like, really <laughs> broke my heart. I I was joking when I said that it was all right. It was more than all right. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everybody could see... Your, like, gushing notes that you wrote down yeah. here. <laughs> Classic British understatement right there. And now you're just like, it was good. It was acceptable. No, I genuinely really, really enjoyed it. I thought that the ending was particularly well done. Not just the fact that it was the ending of the show, but also the fact that it was the ending of the story. Like, the combination was very, was very, very nice and was very well done. I did also feel like some of the changes that they made hinted at things from the later books, and I liked that. Um, Yeah, favorite parts. I could list, like, almost every other thing that happened. And some of us did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was so happy that Red Panda Pan was back, which is such a small thing, but I just... Every time Mary spoke, they took something from the book that I thought was kind of awkwardly done and would have been difficult to do on screen and they made it so perfect and um simone kirby was a big part of that her acting was fabulous oh man it was really 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 good i was so impressed um my favorite line from the books was there the um i'm crying uh okay um the every atom of me and every atom of you and i just thank you for including that I'll be drifting about until I find you. And I'll be searching for you. Every moment. Every single moment. Help me to find each other again. No one will be able to tear us apart. We'll be so tightly. Every atom of me. And every atom of you. When they use our atoms to make new lives, they'll have to take two. One for you. And one for me.
the degree to which they crush that scene is like what the hell Daphne Keene and Amir Wilson like it's so goddamn impressive that scene oh my god the way she holds his face and he just has a tear roll down it's holy shit it's really good yeah I mean everything with Will and Lyra in the whole last half of episode eight the montage with the two of them at the bench is so well done but then like it finishes with just Lyra and Pan alone like all of it uh also the the fall with Benetron was beautiful like I have some really Mm. nitpicky stuff about what they did with Mrs. Coulter and Azrael there at the end. But that last shot of them both charging him and then Stel Maria coming up Ugh. was wonderful. It was so good. I was, you know, when Red Panda Pan came back, I was like, did Pan settle as Red Panda Pan? Because, like, I wouldn't <laughs> have hated it. I wouldn't have hated it. And then she was like, change into your bird forms. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> she. They're going to fly away. They're not settled. Makes sense. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one just like tiny acting moment that really surprised me with how good it was, it was when a gunway picks up Lyra and Will to bring them back to the rebel headquarters. And and he's talking about Asriel and says, All I know is Asriel's proud of you. No, he isn't. I personally heard him champion your name in front of hundreds of his own troops. I don't know why he'd do that. And then Daphne Keen's face <laughs> when she just goes, I don't know why he'd do that, is oh, so perfect. I laugh out loud every single time. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't find it funny. Like, I, as someone who has, like, had my father say to me, I'm very proud of you, and, like, had a very, like, strong emotional reaction of like rejection and like deep desire for that at the same time i was like she nailed that on her face i felt like in reading my list that i put in i forgot my actual favorite part that i had written down because i'm stupid um (laughs) but i did really love the emphasis on stories being important like that sort of carry over from the land of the dead stuff and how I think they really just did a good job on that. And I think somewhere Alan wrote down that he didn't like the uh, the coda on the series. Oh, but yeah. I actually, I really liked it and how it came up and how it ended with, but that's another story. And I thought that really mm. tied it all together really well. Well, I, yeah, we'll talk about it. But that's not exactly <laughs> what I meant, but yeah. Okay. I also, I really liked uh, John McAvoy playing the Metatron version of himself. James um, McAvoy? Wait, what did I say? John. John. Oh, Old Johnny I, okay, McAvoy. James. I wrote James. It says James in the document. You can read it right it's there. It's even capitalized <laughs> completely. Yeah. I don't know why my brain just God. bleeped out. Okay, uh, yes, James McAvoy. <laughs> I hope his stunt no double is like, named John. John McAvoy, the stunt um, double. John, <laughs> John Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I loved, I love that they made Mary Gay, like, uh, oh, I like squealed out loud when the camera panned over to her love interest. It just made me yep. so happy. 
You know, honestly, up until that point, I really didn't feel like my life was lacking. And then I met someone. She wasn't like the other academics. She wasn't interested in showing off how much she knew. She was just really easy to talk to. And suddenly I was sharing things I never thought I needed to. And it just opened up this whole world of possibility, of feelings I had never experienced. Yeah, it broke me that I... That was by far my favourite thing. It just because it was, because of the way it was done, it was didn't feel forced. It didn't feel token. It felt like a completely reasonable thing, but a change which just took took it and kind of put a nod towards, hey, we've thought about this a little bit, mm-hmm. and like, it doesn't make the story worse. It doesn't it doesn't make the story better, other than representation. It's it's just brilliant, and also it changes slightly Mary's storyline in terms of her, um, like why she left the Catholic Church, and I felt that was a nicer, a nicer way that that storyline worked. Yeah, like it was. It felt like a nicer, more interesting, and probably more universal and up to date than the previous storyline. I think it does make the story better because it complicates her character and just like I don't know it makes me think about yeah all of her choices a little bit differently I think okay because I made you watch bros recently right and (laughs) I'm sorry to bring this up but Mm -hmm. you know the main character in there he goes on this whole rant about like you know the movie studio wanted him to make a gay rom-com for straight audiences because love is love. And he's like, no, love is not love. Like, our lives are different. Our love is different. Like, even, it just affects everything in, like, subtle ways. To me, it shaded also perhaps her reasons for becoming a nun in the first place. Yeah. Because that is totally different if you feel... Like, there's something wrong with you inside that you need to, like, work extra hard for to atone for. And that could have been an influencing part of her decision. Or if you feel like you can't live out the mainstream way life that you're supposed to. You have to be cloistered. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It made me, like, even more than I already did want a Mary Malone story. 100%. It would, like, after his dark materials, Mary Malone in the world, and then we'd get some nice glimpses of Will. But mostly, I I want Mary's further story. I think that would be so good. I don't know if this is weird to say it. Also, like, I know that they're, like, atoll shippers. It shades that friendship, too, that there is, like, I don't know. Wait, there are Mary atoll shippers? Oh, 100%. Wow. Like, I I don't think there's anything, like, sexual or anything like that but just that like you know mary would have this close relationship with the with the female mulefa just i don't know it just feels right okay i could see it as like a queer platonic thing yeah exactly that's what i mean yeah okay yeah yeah i'm all for them being in love yeah i i think i completely agree with the caveat that we're looking at a more broad definition than some people would have of love Mm -hmm. oh yeah i i take that uh as the de- 
my definition of love anyway. So I think on this podcast, yeah, we all do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've talked enough about these things. Yes. I also just, that whole scene, the way that they, they recorded it, like it was so, we got so little of it, but it felt, it felt like a lot. If that makes sense. I wanted to experience everything the world had to offer. I wanted to experience love. Did you? Yeah. Were you scared? Oh my God, I was terrified. I was risking everything and I was sure I'd be rejected. But it was worth it. It's rare. When it happens, when you feel that way, you have to grab it. It's funny, isn't it? One little moment. All she did was offer me a sweet, and it changed my life forever. For the first time, I was doing something with all of my nature. Not just a part of it. really really the pacing of it is so good the music the yeah it's oh the powerful. fucking music in these two episodes like god damn it yeah Lindolf. especially so the good. music yeah. in the fall is so good yeah the battle the everything everything was everything was good um I hope everybody on this show goes on to have like the most spectacular careers. <laughs> Cause everything was so good. The guy who plays Gomez, like he was on screen for two minutes and he was so good. Yeah. I was really impressed by it. Like the tears he gets in his eyes. He's so yeah. happy to see an angel. And it's like, you don't even know what's about to fucking happen. <laughs> He's like played perfectly. <laughs> That guy needs to be in everything. Oh my god! I want to see Daphne Keene and Amir Wilson in some kind of like rom com where they're happy. Yeah, <laughs> and, they get <laughs> yeah. and then I can just like. Yes. I think that's that literally like reality. saying you want some happy Will and Lyra fan fiction. <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> For a favorite part, I mean, it's so difficult especially because we're doing two episodes um i really think that that kiss through the portal the last kiss Mm -hmm. is like iconic it's uh so just well framed and shot and the special effect of it is so simple and perfect for the story it's magnificent and then the closing of the window after the kiss and the way they look at it oh I can't even talk about it because I'll just start crying again. And how Lyra stepped forward, stepped uh, forward into it, but it wasn't the there. Oh my god! And and Pan kind of reached out. Yeah, it was terrible. That's the worst. It's just like I want to punch the show in its face, um, because it's so <laughs> good. Probably my favorite thing though, and the thing that like really, really shattered me. And this is so small and simple compared to all these other things that happened is Lyra and Pan making up um, mm-hmm. when he comes back as the Pine Martin and he's like so tentative but he's angry 
and she is so understanding and caring and apologizes to him. You left me. I've had to travel so far to find you again. I'm so sorry. I'm so grateful. I didn't want to. I'm sorry. Please. Please, I'm sorry. I missed you. I like it too. And I feel like it's directly related to that scene with Mrs. Coulter where she apologizes. I think that, you know, she went through this terrible thing with Roger and she made it out the other side. And I think Mrs. Coulter did a lot of things. Mrs. Coulter in the show did a lot of things that she needed to do to survive. And in both of those cases, it really hurt their relationship with their demon. And sometimes you have to apologize to yourself for surviving. And that was like very powerful to me. Yeah, I think that that kind of goes to what I was saying about how the demons really felt like full characters now in a way that they didn't as much in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that relationship between Lyra and Pan is so good. Also, Lyra and Pan finally got to hug. Yeah. Like, yeah. When, when she was leaving him, the fact that she didn't touch him, like, I understand the cost, the money, the SFX, the time. It's a thing. But... Uh, the fact that they can't, because of the SFX, touch as much as they do in the book is upsetting to me. So I was glad they finally did get a big hug. The other big favorite part for me was the changes that they'd made subtly over the entire show to the Golden Monkey. Mm-hmm. Because he went from what's meant to be a very scary character and almost silent antagonist to one that had a lot more character and started to become almost understandable. And not just understandable, but like lovable in his own little way. You suddenly saw the love that he had for Miss Coulter, but also the dejection and the pain that he that she put him through and why she put him through that, which was a very nice sort of reference to the trauma that we do to ourselves like not you you can suffer not just by trauma that is from the outside world but also things that you put onto yourself to hurt yourself and i felt that that was very nicely reflected in the golden monkey and in his uh dynamic with mrs coulter and then seeing her finally sort of accept that she was actually doing this to beat herself up. And he still forgave her. He was basically like the good cop to her bad cop. Mm-hmm. It was just, I loved it. Everything that went kind of unsaid between them while they were standing on the, the edge, like waiting to go see Metatron before they split up. 
And then, like, ugh, the moment where he reaches out to Lyra right as he's starting to dissolve, I think, no, I'm going to start crying. That was, like, the part that got me the most besides Will and Lyra saying goodbye at the end. So I think that's one of the more interesting adaptation choices they've made, because in the book, it's almost like the exact opposite. It's the yeah. golden monkey who's the evil, like, why are we doing this for Lyra character? And it's Mrs. Coulter who is slowly changed. Yeah, he's the one who's tearing bats up into little bitty pieces for fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, he's grown up. If you, if that makes sense, <laughs> I I like it in the show, and I think I mentioned this last week also when they had their their really good scene together. Um, I do love this adaptation choice that they've made, but again, I I really do love OG Mrs. Coulter when she reaches out, like Anya said, uh, that had the look to me of like uh feelings of like Sistine Chapel. Ooh, yeah, I didn't even <laughs> think of that. Like her hand is the same way that God's hand is and and then it dissolves and it's like, oh. Even as someone who doesn't fully agree with this choice that they've made for the monkey and, and Mrs. Coulter, when they reached out, I was upset that they didn't get to touch, you yeah. know? So so it was well done. That's the way to do it though. Don't leave people happy. Don't do Stab it. Stab your audience in the heart. Yeah. That's what they always say. Over and over and over again. <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Speaking of stabbing people in the heart, least favorite parts. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's actually things that I don't like. Like, uh, Balthamus dying doesn't make any sense. Oh my sense. god, it was so dumb. Why is that yeah. happening? Uh, yeah. Why did he die? Why, why didn't they just have Gomez shoot him? Right. Gomez doesn't like, shoot him in the books. No, he doesn't die either. So like he does. No, he does oh, die. Edge. He does die. Does he? When, yeah. yeah it's because in, they have in like the a struggle. wrestling match, right? Yeah, and he yeah. like drowns. Well, he's running away. Yeah. But also, it's you get the feeling that he's just he's just really tired. His like atoms are like barely holding it together. He doesn't really have any reason to exist now that Baruch is gone. Hmm. I don't know. That feels at odds with this, with this other story in the episode of like Will and Lyra don't give up. You must love yeah. again. You must carry on. Like, yeah, no, I didn't like it. Like they what? should have had Gomez shoot him. Yeah, or something. Yeah, but I, I guess I'm, they'd already they'd already set up that you can only hurt angels in very specific ways. I don't know. They should have done something else. It was dumb. I was honestly wondering how much father gomez even matters like it's he doesn't funny. he doesn't fucking matter no it's so like, annoying. in the yeah. book he's there to be this like threat and to like increase some tension and like a sense of danger over will and lyra when they're otherwise just kind of like hanging out and getting mushy together but <laughs> with the way that the tv show was structured and paced i didn't feel like he was necessary for any of that and and honestly, I felt like he served his purpose better when he was doing all that shit at the Magisterium that wasn't even in the book. Yeah. I think it is good. I'll defend Father Gomez for a minute. I think in story terms, I think it is good to point out that, like, despite Metatron being defeated and the authority, you know, dissolving from his cube or whatever, the Magisterium still exists as an institution. And the church and all of these other worlds still exist and all of these people still believe in it. 
So there is still this thing out there. Like it's not like society has healed in the way that like the sky heals and stuff, which I kind of don't also like and all the, you know, portals close up and all that stuff. There's still like huge societal problems with the church still being out there. Right. And so him Mm. being out there and like, this is my duty to murder children, I think is a good reminder that like all's not well in the world, especially if they're going to try and like we said, go on and make the book of dust or something like that. There's still like big scary forces out there in the world. So we think that's, that's worth having in the story, right? I think, I think uh, I agree with you, but I think the episode suffered because they didn't really put any emphasis on like the dust was still leaving. Like they've had a small moment with it. It didn't feel like a crisis and it didn't feel like them getting to that moment was necessary. Um, And then the other, the other thing that we already mentioned that I didn't like was the coda. And I just didn't like, I kind of never like these things that are in stories where like the last couple minutes are like text cards. It feels a bit like a documentary in a weird way. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that was how, I, that was the vibes that it gave me. Maybe I'm just don't watch enough fantasy, but it was like, yeah, I just, I never really like those kind of things. I think that you can hit the right emotional notes in much better ways in film anyway. But um, I didn't like the whole of like saying in a sentence and will grew up to be a successful surgeon and you know lyra went on to go to this college and i just we didn't need that i felt like we i just didn't need that and okay i do i kind of like will becoming a doctor because of the thread of him being so horrified about killing people and taking lives throughout so it feels it feels right that he would become a doctor to kind of like compensate for that or you know to try and spend the rest of his life saving lives instead of taking them but (laughs) i i don't know doesn't being a surgeon require lots of manual dexterity i feel like missing fingers would make that harder (laughs) yeah and Sort of known for it, to be honest. In one of the books, uh, like the special features in, I think, one publication of The Amber Spyglass, Philip Pullman wrote that Will did become a doctor, and because he was so used to the delicacy of the knife, oh, and like putting his mind into the tip of it and using it that way, that made him particularly good at being a doctor. But I then see. he would never be licensed mm. in England because they're so ableist. And so he's actually <laughs> just a doctor for the mafia doing no, underground I'm, I'm surgeries. His teleological purpose is to cut things. And so he's right. trying so, to find okay. a oh way God. to do that. The, yeah. The thing with Will, I think, is that throughout the books, less so in the show, everyone was telling him that his teleological purpose was to be a warrior. And mm-hmm. he was like, fuck that. I want to heal people. I, I don't I'm not arguing against Will being a doctor like we have this whole montage of him you know sitting <clears throat> sitting at the bench and all of that stuff and then it cuts to them walking around campus and we could have had like show Will a little bit older doing his residency as a doctor in a hospital like pushing a cart or you know whatever and and you get the sense oh my god he grew up to be a doctor you don't need to have 
like I just don't like text cards that are supposed to sum up that's there's like you just lose all the emotionality of it I feel like so don't do that I get what you're saying but I disagree I really liked it I liked it because it made it so that our the last shots were just them on the bench and then that last shot of just Lyra and Pan on the bench mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't have wanted it to go away to something else I think that would have ruined it uh but then also, if they wanted that information out there, because, like, they don't know if they're going to get to make more. They don't know. People who watch the show aren't necessarily going to read the book, so they won't have this. They wouldn't have had this information about them otherwise. Did they necessarily need it? No. I think it would have been just as emotional if they'd left it. But I don't know. I think it was a, I think it was fine. Yeah, I think once I got over the shock of it, and the feeling of like being in a nonfiction documentary, I it worked for me. <laughs> to be clear, lots of movies do that. I yeah. guess I just don't watch those movies. <laughs> uh, my least favorite thing was like Azrael having this whole weird plan to like harness the power of the of the abyss so that it fires up. But what? No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I did yeah, feel like one. Azrael was a bit too self-aware. I don't know. I I kind of preferred Book Azrael just being fully an asshole to the end. Oh no, Metatron even calls him on it. Um <laughs> being jealous of of Lyra. That was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. And then mm. I love that he yeah, he calls him out for being jealous of Lyra and then he knows exactly how to twist the knife where he says no one will ever remember you. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so good. Like everything leading up to them uh knocking Metatron off and pulling him down, crap. Well not well almost crap. <laughs> but the, the actual bit so good and the fact that they did it and I don't know. I just preferred in the books where it was a plan that they came up with together because they are two smart people. Oh, I see. I get your point now. Yeah, that yeah. Coulter and Azrael came up with it together as opposed to Coulter having a plan and him just kind of <laughs> well, stumbling into it. No, at no, the no. Last Even, or, no, because she didn't have a plan at all. She was just like, okay, well, I'll be here. Well, she, <laughs> I think she then, does. I think she does have a plan because early on he says, here's the plan, everyone. And Mrs. Coulter is like, okay, if our plan relies on you doing this thing, we're fucked. And so, like, I have to come up with my own plan that's actually going to work. If I succeed in bringing him to the abyss, will you detonate the device? Even if you get him to the abyss... You do understand it's not just death down there. It's eternal oblivion. Hmm. Ask me whatever you wish. We're doomed, aren't we? all Azrael's planning with no idea what we're about to face. And it's clear she has a plan because once yeah. the once the white carpet rolls out, she's like looks at the monkey and she's like go do the plan. So like Sure, yes, yeah. but if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had to figure out a way to get 
his attention. Right? Yeah. But like, again, that that was just coincidence. In the book, she was like, I'm going to go and talk to him, taking your attention craft, goodbye. She didn't mm-hmm. even say that. She just took it and she went. Right. And no, I, I agree. I liked, the book is better. I liked that better. This. Yeah. And I and I know we talked about this a lot in our book episode, but I just I love that it's the fact that she is an evil ghoul that allows her to trick Metatron. Yes. Is incredible. Just like Chef's Kiss story construction. But, it, I mean, they did it well here also but yeah. for this version of Mrs. Coulter. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and everything worked really well. I just hated, <laughs> hated that stupid plan. How is he yeah, doing it's not good. that? What, where, <laughs> like, if they need to sever a demon from a person in order to make that bomb work through presumably similar technology, but this one, they're just like, yeah, we're... Summoning the power of the abyss to shoot up it. What? What? How? 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 (laughs) (laughs) I didn't list it in my favorite parts, but Metatron was fucking amazing. He's so good. You wish to serve no one but yourself. You are a cesspit of moral filth. Do not lie to me. Oh, he was so... I really liked the... I think... They did some very subtle CGI on his face. Yeah, there's something just uncanny. like a little bit unnerving about. Well, all the angels his face. have like weird eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't just the eyes though; it was yeah. his face proportions. Which I don't know if it was lighting, I don't know if it was camera angles, or or if it was CGI. It felt CGI-ish. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem it like looking at the actor in many other things. He look. He doesn't look uncanny, un- nearly human, in any of those. It was just in these scenes, <laughs> right? Could you, I mean, he looks fully human in the, in the other ones, right? Like the casting call need uncanny, almost human looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking for someone with a head who's slightly too large. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I did think that that was really, really well done. Like, it just put you on edge the whole time. Uh, and when he was, like, talking to the soldiers. Really good. Yeah. Oh, oh so my good. God. It was so creepy and so effective. And um, in a way, kind of, it is like a reference back to what the harpies were doing in the world of the dead. Oh. I hadn't thought of that. But when you wrote that down, I was like, ooh, that's good. Justifying my presence on the podcast. <laughs> So we're in least favorite part. I didn't mean to derail into something good. <laughs> well, speaking of least favorite part, then um, I said so we've already talked about Balthamos, and it just that didn't quite sit right with me. It didn't feel like Balthamos, but it was fine. Um, it wasn't the worst thing, but I did. Then <coughs> this is this has been genuine, genuinely a worry that I did have, and a worry that was slightly realized was just that. The Mary and the Malefa storyline was always going to be hard. And they did a good job of the bits they showed, but they missed significant chunks. Mm. And that sucked. Like, there was never... It didn't feel like the Malefa had a culture. Yeah. It didn't feel like... We didn't see any of that. We didn't see any really... Um, Mary learning their language or Atal learning English. 
it's instead just sort of skimmed over and you honestly you could take those scenes out and I don't think it would change that much and I hate that because they're some of my favorite bits of the book yeah I yeah I think that's totally right you could literally have Mary anywhere as long as the kids hook up with her and she tells them the story yes and that yes. is like a problem I guess the yeah. one she needs the seed pot oil she really doesn't to though. see the dust like that doesn't matter it tells us the stakes and it shows us mm -hmm. the like effect afterwards but it doesn't it doesn't change anything in the story you know what i mean like in in the book all of the malefa stuff really does change the story and has like a big effect I, how so I, think. I guess the connection that she makes with the dust itself and that she starts to like, we know that Metatron was human and then became an angel. It seems like Mary is starting like to be on that path, according to Zephania at the end of the book. Cause she's like, you know, you could communicate with each other through imagination. And Lyra's like, Oh, you mean like fucking making it up? Yeah. Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, no, your friend has already started on this path. And she could teach you how to do it. And Will's father did it and blah, 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 blah. And so like, it really does seem like even though the portals between worlds are closing, that Mary can, through a different kind of science, open up something completely new and more natural and all of we that. We need so. a Mary Malone book. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but, uh, or not just everything that you just said that was very good. But also, in the book, it is a much bigger problem that Dust is leaving. And having yes. Mary be there with the Mulefa and watching, like, when the uh, abyss opens and how faster the dust is going away. And through her conversations with the Mulefa, who are a species who can always see dust. And so they've seen the change over the years and, and recorded it. That's that That point. is important. And it yeah. makes the scene where Will and Lyra... Uh, kiss and you know and you know fall as it were it makes that the climax of the story as right. opposed to the battle which it is which i feel like here the battle was very much the climax of the story and and that's also why in the book gomez mattered that he was threatening there because hmm. he could yeah. stop the climax yeah because he could stop that moment from happening and i think so they did matter a lot more in the book significantly so um we have we have a new part that we added where the, for this week in particular, oh, yeah. I don't this know who put it section, in here. That was me. Of course it was. I hope you I took my, my fuck you to heart. I did. <laughs> uh, part where you cried the hardest. <sighs> I would actually really Do love to hear from, listeners. yes, I was going to say, please, listeners, let us know when you cried the hardest. Mine was obviously <laughs> pretty much when you from. Were, sorry, just, just, for, just for context, listeners. For when you were reading these books or watching this series, not in general. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> Pretty much from them saying goodbye to them on the bench in different worlds, I was like crying, but then at the end of the bench and then you see Lyra alone and then that stupid card comes up, I, I violently sobbed. Like violent, like snot was coming out of my nose. Mm. Oh. The least attractive I've ever been, you know, like <laughs> it was terrible. 
Yeah, I, I felt the first time that I watched it, I think I texted you guys. I think I was the first one of us to watch it. And yeah. um, I like I felt sick at the end of the second episode. Like my stomach hurt, my face hurt. I, I felt unwell and I like just had to lay down and try to breathe because I had been crying so hard. Uh, it's like someone who's really good at torture. Like they would perfectly like bring you back from crying to hit you in the stomach over again. And it was like, oh my God. Like even beautiful moments of like Mary's demon coming and like landing on her finger and the joy in her face. Because I was already crying. It was like, okay, now I'm crying at this. And like, Mm -hmm. and then like something sad would happen where they're sitting at the bench and the, and all of that. So it was like, yeah, but the I I think the like I said earlier, Daphne Keen holding, um, uh, <laughs> I want to say Willamere. That's totally wrong. <laughs> Willamere. <laughs> it's some names. I'll give yeah. you that. Will you John know Lyra? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lyra holding John Will's face, and, and they're like gazing into each other's eyes, and and she's whispering all of the you know every atom of me and every atom of you, and they'll have to take two of us. That whole thing is oh my god! Like, and it's I think it's a combination of the really good acting there and the really beautiful adaptation of the iconic moment in the book being like done perfectly. Um, for me is like the two layers of that. It's, I would cry at it even if I hadn't read the book, but because I've read the book and I care about that being done right and it's done perfectly, it's like, woof. That That is one of the things, and I brought this up last week also, like just seeing a good adaptation of so many of my favorite things is making me emotional anyways. So then when the content is emotional, I'm just a fucking wreck. Yeah, for me, it was in episode seven, Lyra and the golden monkey looking at each other and reaching out and then everything with Lyra and Will at the end. And like, oh, it was, (laughs) it felt very weird to be watching that, especially because like Francis and I were watching it together the first time. And it was, like, our last night together. And we were, like, about nine hours or something from having to say goodbye. Uh, it was, like, two in the morning. And, yeah, it was it was just, like, it was all very, very emotional. Part where I cried the hardest was two parts. And I didn't... I didn't physically cry at this but i did it hit me the hardest was that um mary not being straight moment and being like they just didn't need to do that and i love that they didn't need to do that because they just decided to do it because it was good yeah and i just love like it was partially a reaction to it it was partially a reaction because i expected something else and i was interested to see how they did it and it was just all good all the time the other one that really got me was the that awful whiplash of going from um, Will and Lyra finally realising they're in love and then 
you have these moments where you're like, they're going to find out. They're going to find out that they need to leave each other. And then just steadfastly, like almost steadfastly refusing to believe it initially. Mm-hmm. Going through the seven stages of grief, like one scene after another. And it it hurt, man. Fucking hurt. Oh, yeah, like, I cried the hardest at the ending, which is what the question was. But, like, I cried when Ezreal and Mrs. Coulter went over. I cried at the Golden Monkey. I cried at Mary's story. It was just, I was very dehydrated by the end. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like. It was awful. I only brought one drink in with me when I was watching, and that was a mistake. <laughs> when I watched it the second time, I thought I was safe, and I was it was I was wrong. I was not safe. Like this should have a <laughs> warning on the beginning of yeah. the first episode. There was one time years ago in my life where I was in a bookstore with someone I don't even remember who, um, but I had like bought my book and was waiting for them. And near the checkout, there was a His Dark Materials like display. So I just picked up the Amber Spyglass and thought, oh, I'll just read my favorite part, which is, you know, the ending, the every atom of me scene. And then by the time I met up with my friend, I was crying in the bookstore. So like, it's, I'm never safe with this ending. I'm never safe. <laughs> right. I don't even have to be reading the book. You know, I just have to be <laughs> killing time. <laughs> it's waiting in an airport and you're just like, oh, now I'm crying. Yep. Fuck. You just think of it. Yep. I do. I just want to point out that the, the every atom of me mingling with every atom of you, Pullman is intentionally constructing like a secular afterlife free ending mm-hmm. that has meaning right yeah and and that he was super successful at that and that's why a lot of people find this book series so threatening oh yeah okay good question a complete aside we can probably save this for the wrap-up but like will and lyra <laughs> they die there's no way whoever dies first isn't waiting for the next one, right? Oh, like, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? They're yeah. going to walk, gonna through, walk together. through the window together. Absolutely. And like the stories that they tell are going to be told to each other and Gracious Wings at the yeah, same yeah. time. And right? Then, right. And Good. then their other partners, we'll they're going to be like, look, you can just go on without me. I, d- I don't actually want to walk through with you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> in, in an echo of the second book, Will walks through the window, straight into the road, and gets hit by a car. Damn it! Goes, oh. <laughs> the Mulefa world the has Mulefa been industrialized has in the intervening now. like eighty years. <laughs> it just gets run down by an errant Mulefa. <laughs> um, okay, so speaking of secularism, atheism, uh, this book getting banned. Um, can we just talk a little bit about the authority cube and that death scene? Because I really liked the adaptive change. I mean, I know it's just like a small visual thing, but in the book, right, it's kind of like a more traditional, like, litter, like a a king or someone in medieval times would be carried around in, or not even medieval, pre-medieval, whatever. I don't know anything about history. The point (laughs) is, the, like, sci-fi futuristic cube thing really worked for me visually i i liked that will had to cut through with a knife yeah there's like no opening it's interesting because it's like 
it's almost like its own world of the dead, like its own little. Yeah. He's like trapped in there. It reminds me of like a sep. Is, is that the word sepulchre? Uh huh. Um, Ooh, yeah. It almost is like a coffin. Right. Whatever you store a relic in. A reliquary. Um. Reliquary is the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. That makes much more sense given the you know name. Um, it felt like that, and that was really interesting. And you can definitely, if you're willing to do what we always do and read into it a bit too much, um, then <laughs> you can look at it and go, well, they've stopped looking at the authority as a being and started looking at it as an idea or as a relic. Mm-hmm. And then Metatron's taken over the day-to-day. It's like, ooh, I quite like that. I like that it's he's almost interred rather than being protected by the um, the box. Do you think it's obvious enough what that is to people who aren't book readers? No, no, no. God, no. That was I think this is bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah. it was poorly done. But the thing is, okay, I okay, like how I like the idea it? that it was the only thing oh, you wouldn't you would you would just not have it. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that it's the only thing that survived when yes. Metatron's, like, the, the clouded mountain was destroyed. I think that's super interesting. Um, I wish they had talked about the authority more other than just Metatron so that people who hadn't read the books would have any yeah, idea Yeah, I think that that's how you fix it. You you have to, like... Make a distinction. Make the... Uh, yeah, make a distinction between Metatron and the authority and just, like, mention the authority more before that happens mm-hmm. so that it's in the reader's mind as, or the watcher's, viewer's mind as a possibility. Though, on the flip side, I actually kind of enjoy that if you haven't read the books, the audience is in the exact same place that Will and oh, I Yeah, are. it's just like... Because they had no idea what the hell was going on. They were just like, oh, yeah, okay. that's true. In the book, they don't know when they do that. They don't know what they've done. We know there's it's like it's a very ironic moment. I wish there had just been a moment where the the authority, the being, looked thankful or relieved, but he just sort of looks mm-hmm. scared. Yeah, I agree. And I think giving him a moment of relief or something like that would have. Would it all just better. happens so fast. And I think you don't need to add yeah. that much more time, just like four or five more seconds. I, you know what? I think if you wanted, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think that's, I think that's right. And I think if you wanted to keep it in there and you wanted to make this distinction, I think that instead of having Asriel do a Mortal Kombat fight against himself, <laughs> you could have a moment where he like stumbles on the cube and Metatron is like, you are not worthy to touch the authorities chamber and blah, blah, blah. And Asriel's like trying to attack it so that we, the audience like understands what it is. Asriel mm. is obsessed with the authority. And then, yeah, you know, he gets beat up. And then we understand mm. the context, even though Will and Lyra don't. Because I feel like Metatron is too in control of the Clouded Mountain. You don't, wouldn't want Asriel to just like stumble upon it because that kind of takes away from Metatron's power. You imagine like Asriel demanding to see the authority and then Metatron taunting him with it. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, he's exactly. just inside there, but you can't get to him. Right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's great. And it and I think there's there's also like I think smart things that are happening there that is like the chamber that Asriel made is a like steampunk version of that chamber. You know, like dust can't get Ooh. out of it, and that's yeah. why he's kind of trapped in it and can't dissolve. 
And so like there's cool resonances and that's like related to the chamber that the demons in the severing machine are in and all of that stuff. So he's kind of like been severed from the universe. So it's just cool stuff. It's just not, it's like, yeah, it's just just don't get it. I did. Yeah. It did feel like the authority wasn't enough of a being and enough of a character. And I felt that was a shame. It felt more like a, a grotesque or just another shade. If you didn't know that that was the authority and you didn't know what, what that was actually referring to, then it just looks like another warped creature from the mind of Metatron. Yeah. It doesn't feel at all linked to anything else at all. Which is a real shame. It does feel like they had a really great idea and then just didn't have the time or money to do it, so they did what they could. Which is... it. I, imagine, I imagined the authority like... Is it Theoden? Do I mean Theoden? Mm. In uh, Lord of the Rings? Where Wormtongue is in his ear and he is this husk of a man, mm-hmm. barely, barely able to talk and obviously like way way corrupted that's how i imagined that but um senile and not evil per se Mm -hmm. was how i imagined the authority just like a very sad sad old man yeah i like that when we when we get to the end um you know and there's the kiss and everything and uh will breaks the knife at the very end which I like, and I like the world building around it. I did feel like the the Aurora moving across the multiverse and the speed with which the world starts to heal is just a little bit too tidy for me. I don't, I did not like that. Although, like, honestly, anything uplifting at that point was welcome because it was, <laughs> like, in a lot of pain. Um, but it just... I don't know. I I don't feel like that's his dark materials to me. Like it's too simple, too easy in a way. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing that makes it not too easy is that they fall in love and then they have to in the well, in the book it's not necessarily instant, right? It's like the dust will eventually build up again, I guess. Yeah, there's like hope, right? But not like it's done. I see. Okay. So it's not like they've solved the problem. It's that they solved the problem and suddenly it's like the problem never even existed. Yeah, that is the thing that bothers me. And I like the symbolism and the visual is beautiful of the Aurora and everything. And I, I like all that, but it that just doesn't feel right to me. It does like a part of this story. Okay, that makes sense. Although that's not exactly what I thought you were going to say just based on the the limited text in the document, I thought you meant that even just like solving the problem itself was too simple. And and I was going to argue that like the fact that Will and Lyra can't be together makes the, the falling in love and the kiss not feel too tidy or easy. Oh no. I, you know what? I, I think this, this might be controversial. So it's worth saying here, but I think what they do with the kiss and how it solves the dust problem is better in the show than in the book. Ooh, okay, tell me. Tell me more. There's the where they're coming back from the whole thing and Mary is like Is that really all it took? Something so small and ordinary. Love. 
is never small to those that discover it for the first time. Ooh, yeah, that's like, that's actually really deep. Yeah, and, and she told them before they went in. In theory, dust is drawn to thought, to creativity, so some great discovery. And the, the answer is that moment of like, it yeah. is not a small discovery to fall in love for the first time. It's the biggest thing that happens in your young life. And I think that's really beautiful. And it's so much better expressed than I think the book, because in our last episode on the book, we really had a discussion about that. Like Francis said, I think that you, what the Mulefa just didn't love each other enough. Like, what is this? What? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> and no other human or yeah, uh, like, sapient being ever loved as the way that Will and Lyra did. But I think this doesn't come down to them being like chosen ones. It's like they're in the right place at the right time. Like this, the, you know, the authority has been killed and the rift is happening and the, the world of the dead is connected to this world. And it's all just like, they're just in the right place at the right time. And they, and they affect the flow of the dust in a certain way. And then the angels are able to clean up the messes of the, of the portals afterwards. And so everything gets back on track and it's not about like, you're the chosen ones and all of this stuff. It's interesting. Cause I, I was thinking about the comparison between Lyra and Jesus, where, but like instead of dying, she falls in love. Where it's like there's one <laughs> symbolic person who kind of does it for everybody else. Yeah, and it feels uh -huh. like a little uncomfortable playing into religious tropes to dismantle them. Like it undermines itself a little bit. So I kind of like. I think we've talked about that before. Better. Yes. Yeah, we talked about it in bit. the book episode, <laughs> but I'm just kind of like underscoring it in the slightly new context. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I, and it's probably <clears throat> not on accident, right? Like, I don't know. I, I do feel like the show clarified a lot of things in a way that were a bit confusing to me in the book, maybe because I'm just stupid or strangely literal or whatever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> nice. yeah, like Mary as the serpent totally makes sense in this episode the way that she tempts, quote unquote, Lyra and Will, I don't know. It's just more obvious to me. It makes more sense thematically. I do think they improved on that scene so much. I, I think just having it be real people and not yeah. a book a and how you could see them, like Will and Lyra looking at each other when the oh, other one wasn't God. looking. And That's so good. The acting in that scene was fucking When I was amazing. reading the book, I think Lyra and Will falling in love just feels more inevitable and it doesn't feel as clearly linked to mary telling the story giving them the emotional permission to open themselves up in that way right just to back up a bit to the world is healing the worlds are healing my personal dislike of that scene is i just think that the <laughs> the northern lights special effect looked mm. bad like, I think if they'd almost done it exactly the same, but taken out the Northern Lights and we just got like a montage of seeing past scenes and how we we saw like areas where there were windows and and you didn't like see the windows closed. They just sort of gave the impression like it was almost like you felt that the windows were mm -hmm. no longer there. Mm -hmm. And then that one scene of snow falling on Yorick. I think that would have yeah. been better. 
without the seeing the northern lights throughout the worlds no matter if they're in the north or not that's the weird it's like what like (laughs) especially given how much we belabor the science of the northern lights in our book conversations i just kept thinking about like okay so radiation and the earth's protective magnetic core making the thing Like I get that they wanted to have a visual thing connecting it all, but I don't think it worked. It looked weird, and I I could not help but think like, what? Why are there northern lights over Chitagatse? Like that would never happen. Would That's you- not how magnetic magnetism works. Like, oh my get, god, well, guys! I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> it's literally dark matter. The whole thing about it is it doesn't interact with things. Okay, it doesn't make the northern lights. <laughs> I, I did really love, I think I like started crying or upped my crying or whatever when when we got to see Yarrick that one last time. I was really happy with that. And he, I believe the uh, the correct phrasing from subtitles is crying intensifies. Crying intensifies. Oh, uh, yes. Crying <laughs> intensifies. Yeah. When I was watching the fight with Metatron, it was the first time I challenged a, just an assumption that had been in my head that that whole fight goes on in the abyss, which Lyra and Will climb past on their way out. I don't know why. Hmm. I assumed, I guess, that they went through the window in the Malefa world, but now I think about it, why the hell would they? Because they couldn't. Yeah, like, now that you say this, me ab- too. I... And actually, me too, yeah. I definitely somehow just so imagined weird. them fighting in the world of the dead with no indication of how they would have gotten there. Yeah, like, isn't Asriel, like, sneaking around rocks and stuff and is, like, and, like, jumps out and is, like, it's me. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I I definitely (laughs) thought that was in the Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) It's It's me, me, Mario. Mario. (laughs) (laughs) Doing? (laughs) He just jumps on his head. (laughs) Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. So, in the book, they are down in like the cliffs of the abyss, like the where yeah. it opened in like an earthquakey type thing, and then they've, and that's the rocks that okay. Azrael is hiding in. But I also think the the books put more emphasis on all of the of the abyss being connected, because it is the same abyss as the one mm-hmm. in the land of the dead, yeah. even if it's a different like. Yeah, cliffs. but I imagined them on the cliffs where like all the dead people sort of are walking past. Slope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is just, I don't know why, because that, as soon as I thought about it, I was like, wait, that they don't say that in the books at all, as far as I remember. In the book, Mrs. Coulter goes into the Clouded Mountain and brings Metatron to the place where Azrael is waiting to ambush him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's how mm-hmm. that works. And then in this, Azrael's like, I am the chosen one, and kamikazes into the clouded yes. mountain because he's a drama queen yes he is honest i liked i liked the visuals of the fight being in the clouded mountain so i actually really yeah. like that change if they they just needed to change one thing for what it to is, be perfect what, what is that and to not that that weird like that he had a weapon that could utilize the abyss that oh, it yeah. comes up like because they were still sense. falling yeah. into the abyss yeah. it's not necessary it was go- it was perfect it was wonderful i guess they needed a reason for the monkey to stay behind yeah the other reason why she has to leave the monkey behind is so the monkey won't betray her to Metatron. Like, she can trick Metatron, oh. but, I mean, there's so much lore in the world about how demons betray your feelings. Right, so, so that she's it's, not vulnerable, yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair, then just do that. Then just say, you yeah. stay here, yeah. and she goes. And then the monkey gets to have the moment with Lyra, and I don't have this one thing that I hate. <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah... 
I, I think it's Serafina who tells her like, you've, you've gotten really good at repressing the best part of yourself in the, in the episode before this in the abyss. And maybe it's Zephania who tells her this. Cause she has two conversations, one with Zephania and one with Serafina where they're both like, get real with yourself because shit's about to happen. And, uh, and one of them tells her that like, this is the best part of yourself and you love Lyra and it's changed you. And, and I think in a broader sense, like we were complaining about in the first episode and stuff that father Gomez like trigs on her lying about Lyra being there and stuff. I think the point of that was to be an arc right? That she has always been a stone cold liar because she's learned to repress this monkey side of herself, this vulnerable side of herself. (laughs) And now there's something that she can't repress. Like she talks uh, to Will about the connection between mother and child and how it's unbreakable. And I think it's like what she's doing there, she's talking about like, this is a thing I can't repress. Like I can't control this. It's controlling me. So she can't lie about it. Like it fucks her up. And, and I think that's what they were trying to show us with that moment with Gomez in the first episode. And so I think leaving, that's what I thought when leaving the monkey behind was like, she's learned to like integrate this part of herself. Like she accepted her vulnerable side. She apologized to it. And now she has like a higher level of mastery. See, that makes me wish that when Gomez had tried to go around her, Ruth Wilson hadn't moved, but the monkey had. Oh man, that yeah. would be, that's so good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Perfect bookends for like episode one of season three, the monkey betrays her. And then final episode, she leaves the monkey behind and she's able to lie to Metatron. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we're going to actually wrap up our conversation here. We have, a lot more to say um, about the show in general and the ending here of the of the final season, um, but it's it's like three days before Christmas and we've got a lot on our plate, so we're gonna wrap up here and we're gonna be back in the new year with probably an incredibly long wrap up <laughs> episode. I already have plans to bring up stuff from season one, so it's gonna we're be gonna insane. be back on our three hour bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, hardcore history style. Like we're <laughs> gonna take you on a fucking episodes. journey, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll also in that episode be talking a little bit about our plans for the future. Should we cover the book of dust? I'm gonna be a doctor. Yeah, Great. vote in our Twitter Perfect. poll. <laughs> we will abide by the results. <laughs> <laughs> If you like our show, please make some time uh, to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Anya, and you can follow me on Twitter at Strangely Literal. I'm Caitlin, and you can you I mean, you can follow you, mm, Twitter, sure, Inferior Caitlin. <laughs> Look, we have a different Twitter gag every single time. Yep. I mean, if that's not the end of 2022 in a yeah. nutshell. <laughs> I'm Francis. And you can follow me on Twitter at Francis Windrum. Follow the show on Twitter at MOTPod. And if you need more than whatever the amount of characters Elon Musk allows you to have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't he upping it to like 4,000 <laughs> yeah. or some bullshit like that? Or not. Maybe it's 4,000 <sighs> if you Christ. pay the subscription fee. <laughs> 
Who yeah. knows? <laughs> your paper character. <laughs> Send, Send us an email. <laughs> to contact at hollowedgroundmedia.com. So in our wrap-up episode, we're going to revisit what we think each other's demon is and also tell our harpy stories. So if anybody listening wants to either tell us what you think our demons are or what your demon is, that'd be cool too. Or send in some good harpy stories that you've got. Ooh, yeah, I like that. And our wrap-up episode could be about five hours long. We're fine with that. I will do dramatic readings. Yes, exactly. Don't 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 send in anything you don't want us to read. Um, and if you yes. do send us your demon, tell us why. I'm so curious for like the logic people use to assign demons. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and send in your thoughts about the season, please, and and the adaptation as a whole. And don't forget to stab your audience in the heart over and over and over and over again. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> So, in episode seven... That's purple. Oh, you're right. That is purple. Fuck. Ah, I'm just, like, so excited. (laughs) This is how it begins. (laughs) Well, our first outtake. So, in episode... Fuck. In episode seven... Septisode. It it is like a seven mistakes. No mistakes, guys. We promised. (laughs) Yeah, no mistakes. You're keeping all this in. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> it's only it. bloopers if you take it out yeah. um, sorry I zoned out there for a second um, did I did I mention the other part of my favourite part I don't think you talked about any of hello Hey, I just figured that when I said that somebody should um, train elephants how to ride around on roller skates that everybody was like no selling that joke so I'm, <laughs> I'm back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all got That's gonna be really funny for whoever's editing this episode and suddenly we're all talking on top of each other like, hello, hello, is anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> oh mine was mostly silence because mine literally was on a word that Alan was saying and it just went uh, <laughs> And then yeah. I was just like, yeah. hmm, are they gonna come back? Hmm. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right. Where was. were we? This is no mistakes, guys. Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we got plenty of time. Great. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay uh, Alan was talking when I left, but I don't remember what was being said. Oh, it doesn't matter. I was just saying that. He was just agreeing with me because yeah. I'm amazing. Yep, yep, cool. Yep. But did you finish your thought? Like, I did, but it was a joke, and then nobody was nobody there, laughed. so it's, like, yeah. really perfect. I really <laughs> love it. Because I, I like, literally just said a joke, and then it was, like, no one laughed, and I was, like, great. Do you want to say it again no, no, so that we have a all. good... Never. <laughs> but, I mean, for editing purposes. No. Um, I wanna... It's perfect, okay. I think. I it's, it's, that's how it should be. I'm glad oh, I sorry, live in man, the evil empire. Distracted. It's the best. I mean... Honestly, the Death Star does not seem like the worst place to live. At least it's got, like, a decent cafe. Right. Honestly, being, like, attached to the Death Star, I think, is the best. Because you get a lot of the pluses, and you get a lot of, like, non-Death Star stuff. And, like, I don't really need much to 
get into the Death Star, you know, they just look at your paper and go like, yeah, whatever. Man, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be real adjacent. useful. Empire adjacent. <laughs> you like the, the cleaners on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and they should be careful because yeah, it's going to happen. That's me. That's me. Every single fucking time. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, like, and they should be shot. And I was like, no. <laughs> wait a minute, Alan. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to say that. Oh, we forgot to do my joke problematic section, too. <laughs> well, we can do that now. Did anybody have any problematic? Yeah, the show's over. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully not. Maybe. Maybe not. Do we do we have to come back and delete that and re-upload it if it turns out that they're actually going to do more? Yeah, that'll definitely, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that. Yeah, we totally do anything. It'll like be that eight just for months before we publish this episode. <laughs> no, it won't be. It won't be months. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> subscribe, subscribe to Measures of Truth Red. <laughs> Yours are the only mails that we will read. <laughs> Have a good um, thing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>